This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp, reporting the 15-week abortion ban has passed the Florida Senate and will head to the governor's desk. This bill puts politicians, bureaucrats, and the government between a woman and her access to health care. If signed, the law would take effect in July. Governor Ron DeSantis and the state surgeon general continue to rip at masks. People are still holding up the illusion that these things save lives. These things are not saving lives. The governor held a news conference to try and kickstart stalled legislation to keep doctors from being punished for unconventional medical views. A big Supreme Court ruling for the 2022 legislative session. We have some news and I am pleased to announce that the Florida Supreme Court has unanimously approved the House and Senate legislative redistricting maps. Maybe not exactly time to cheer yet. Uh, well, it's not done in terms of the congressional lines. Sunrise talks with Florida politics reporter Jacob Ogles about what's done in terms of redistricting and what's not. And a lioness of the state Senate says goodbye. We didn't just fight here. We fought uh, three hairstyles ago in the uh, Florida House. That's it. You think she's tough now? Long-haired Audrey. Boy. We've got highlights from the Senate farewell to Audrey Gibson. But first, after one final night of emotional debate, the vote on a 15-week abortion ban in the Senate went as expected. Democrats were firmly and passionately opposed. Janet Cruz shared about her own teenage pregnancy. My decision to have my daughter, one of the greatest gifts in my life, was between my family, between my then boyfriend turned husband, and between my God. That was my decision. That was my God. And we decided that we would have this child, and it was hard, and we did. But that was my decision. It was not the government's decision. It was me, my parents, my husband, and my God. Oh dear, I firmly believe that everyone should have the freedom and right to make private medical decisions. Republican Ed Hooper shared how his daughter's teen pregnancy led to his awakening on the abortion issue. He recommended she get one. She said no. And she had that child. And I was way too young to be a grandfather, incredibly too young. But she had that child, and um, my opinion on This issue that we're debating tonight at going on 10 o'clock changed the very moment I held that child. Just like snapping your fingers. At one day before that, uh, abortion was an opportunity that uh, was available to any woman, any family, any, you know, under the right circumstances. My opinion changed in an instant when I held that child. And I thank my daughter a million times for disrespecting and not taking her dad's advice. When the vote finally came, it was 23 to 15 in favor of the 15-week abortion ban. Governor Ron DeSantis was talking legal protection for doctors who don't toe the establishment line. But before we get to that, let's start off with some good news the governor shared on Twitter. I have a positive update about my wife, Casey DeSantis. After going through both treatment and surgery, 
for breast cancer, uh, she is now considered cancer free. And all of you have had thoughts and prayers that have been given to my family and my wife. I just want to know thank you for doing that. It's lifted her spirits. It's made a tremendous difference. And for all the women out there who are going through breast cancer right now, you can overcome this. I know it's very difficult, but my wife is proof positive. And so if you'd want wound back six or seven months, this is exactly the type of news that we had hoped for. She still has more to do, but I'm confident uh, she's going to make a full recovery. Thank you for all your thoughts and prayers and God bless you all. Good news we can all agree on. Now, back to our story already in progress. A day after a video of him telling Tampa high school students to take off their masks on the Internet, Governor DeSantis was in Panama City to try and revive stalled legislation to protect doctors from being punished for advocating alternatives to mainstream medical treatment. The Federation of State Medical Boards released a threatening statement saying, quote, physicians who generate and spread COVID-19 vaccine misinformation or disinformation are risking disciplinary action by state medical boards, including the suspension uh, or revocation of their medical license. And I think most of you know here, you you take away that medical license and you've neutered someone's ability uh, entirely to practice medicine. And so we see this as something that that is a big problem because a lot of what these physicians were doing uh, was basically saying things that ended up being borne out to be true. You know, it's interesting. People that would go against the narrative, like Florida, you go against the narrative, there'd be this like big spasm And then six to 12 months later, everyone will then start doing that. And people realize that it was right. And so it's really dangerous. If you had said a year ago that COVID-19 originated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they would absolutely have censored you uh, for that. Um, If you said things that have turned out to be true, when when I used to say um, in the summer, that, um, you know, look, the, the vaccines are not preventing, uh, you know, they were supposed to be 100% effective or 95% effective at preventing infection. And we saw many people that had, quote, breakthrough cases. So we were seeing that in real time. We're reporting that to people. The media says, oh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's true. And now we know, having gone through the last six, six, nine months, how many people who've had COVID over the last six months also had been vaccinated. The governor said Floridians need to have access to whatever medical treatment they agree with. People have a right to access different types of COVID-19 treatments. I mean, if a physician has something that that they think can be beneficial, the patient wants to do it, they should be able to do it. You don't want a situation where a doctor wants to administer treatment to somebody and the hospital is telling them they can't do it because of something from CDC or something like that. Uh, We want people to be able to access, particularly in these right to try situations, it's very, very important. Uh, So we wanna make sure that that's the case. Um, We wanna make sure that that, uh, physicians feel empowered to be able to do it. And you know, if, if a hospital system is blocking that type of, of, of care, then we will hold the hospital system accountable under Florida law, that's what we're looking to do. Surgeon General Joseph Latipo brought props, holding up a mask, which he says are hard to find in Florida these days. People are still holding up the illusion that these things save lives. These things are not saving lives. What saves lives, frankly, is freedom to speak and freedom to find truth. What saves lives is immunity. You know? 
early treatment, early treatment saves lives, you know? And being as healthy as you can, right? Losing the extra pounds, eating a nutritious diet, you know, keeping your vitamin D levels up, those things save lives. No high quality data says this, this saved any lives. And it's a lie and it needs to stop. And people need to unbelieve it. The Florida Supreme Court has approved House and Senate redistricting maps. So that contentious process is over. Not so fast, says Jacob Ogles of Florida Politics. He told Sunrise that what's gotten court approval isn't all the redistricting. Uh, well, it's not done in terms of the congressional lines. What we, the Florida Supreme Court approved was the 40-district Florida Senate map and the 120-district Florida House map. Now, to a lot of folks in Tallahassee, these maps are actually quite a bit more important than the uh, congressional fight that is waging on the House floor as we're speaking. But uh, this redistricting process, no, it is not done yet because they still have maybe the most high-profile map waiting in the wings and still being debated. Now, Okay, let's take, uh, you know, the House and Senate uh, uh, state seats. Um, any major changes here or uh, situation as, as usual? Well, there's definitely changes going on here. Um, you're talking about, you got to remember, these lines with the Florida House and the Florida Senate, they're supposed to stay in place for a decade. And it takes a lot of population into account. They need to balance all the districts. So inevitably, there's going to be some shifts. They want all these populations, at least at the start of the decade, to be within 1% of one another for all the districts. And you absolutely have got some changes that have happened on these maps. It's kind of depending where you live, whether the changes are dramatic or minor. Well, some of these things were uh, some of the changes set up, you know, you know, uh, colleagues against each other. Uh, or, That's right. Uh, my understanding. Right. Where's that happening? Well, we had eight districts, uh, well, eight senators who ended up in districts with another senator. Uh, six of those, the situation has already been resolved. But if you're in the uh, Gainesville to Lake County area, uh, you had uh, District 9, including Ocala and Gainesville, and that put Dennis Baxley and Keith Perry in the same districts. Dennis Baxley has decided to move. Um, if you are down in the plantation area, this puts Lauren Book, the Democrat majority leader, in the same district with uh, a new incoming senator, Osgood, um, who represents a black district. Lauren Book has said she's going to move to a neighboring district to avoid being in a primary with that. Um, Tina Polsky was also put in the same district in the Delray Beach area and Boca Raton area. As Lori Berman, a close ally, she said she's going to run instead in uh, District 30, which includes other parts of Boca. And then there's a big question that's still remaining, and that's what Gary Farmer is going to do. He's in the same district as Jason Pizzo, who's a Miami representative. Gary Farmer is in White House Point. Some people expect that he and Pizzo will end up in a primary. Some expect he's going to go run against Polsky in 30. 
And then we just threw in an extra wrench, which is Ted Deutsch just announced his retirement. So now people are wondering if we can avoid any senator-on-senator fight and just have Gary Farmer run for Congress. So there's a lot going on and a lot of political speculation. Yeah, uh, indeed. So were these set up because Republicans are in control of the the House and Senate? These, uh, you know, senator-on-senator situations sounds like they're all Democrats. Well, Keith Perry and Dennis Baxley are both Republicans. Right. So I would say that's not 100 percent true. Um, What I was told by Ray Rodriguez when I asked about this situation, I mean, there are fewer Democrats have six running against one another is, is somewhat phenomenal. Um, he said a big part of it is South Florida lost a Senate district just with the redistribution of populations across the state of Florida. Well, South Florida is where the heaviest concentration of Democrats live, and that's why there was more disruption in that area, he said. So this has been approved by the Supreme Court. Nobody really you yes. know, raised any objections, filed anything with the Supreme Court. They just, I guess, took the math and checked it out and, and approved it. That's right. And I want to stress this is what they've called a facial review. Um, the, the Florida Supreme Court automatically gets these maps to evaluate. And they just determine whether there's anything glaring, whether there's anything obviously terrible on these maps. Um, they decided that there's not, and nobody put anything in writing saying that there was, incidentally. So it's not too much of a shock. Is there somebody lurking out there that might raise some objections about these uh, state seats? Oh, yes. And groups like Latino Justice and the League of Women Voters have both testified at committees on all of the maps that have come through the legislature that they have significant problems with the level of minority representation. You know, Justice has said that they do intend to legally challenge maps as unconstitutional because they believe there ought to be more Latino districts in the Senate, in the House, and in Congress. So I I can guarantee this is going to land in front of judges again. Those are more complicated arguments, though. That's a constitutional case that has to be made on a much finer level than just do these maps look like they're glaringly unconstitutional? The Florida Supreme Court has said they do not. And for the 2022 election cycle, this is the Senate map. This is the House map. This is what we got. Anything that comes in the future, that's going to be decided down the road. And I'll note that a decade ago, it took five years of legal proceedings. It took until 2015 uh, before the Florida Senate map was tossed out by the courts. And we still have the congressional uh, situation to deal with. And when is that? I mean, you're on these hearings uh, right now. When do you think they're going to resolve it? I know the House is sitting on um, basically two maps, which they want to put forward. That's kind of wild. It's unprecedented. They are set to vote on Friday on uh, whether they're going to advance that legislation. That's going to go into conference, though, with the Senate, who already approved a map back in January and likes their own map just fine, by the way. (laughs) So we're going to have to see what happens out of that, how the Senate responds. I I don't know that they're going to reject the idea of having a primary map and a secondary map. But the truth of the matter is we would all be done except that Governor Ron DeSantis in – the midst of this process 
raised his own concerns about the constitutionality of Congressional District 5. That's Al Lawson's district. He doesn't think that we should have a district that spans across North Florida, connecting all the black communities between Tallahassee and Jacksonville. And he has said he'll veto a map that he thinks has an unconstitutional district. So we may be a long way from being done. The governor hasn't shown much love towards the maps coming out of the House, that one of the maps seems to try to address that concern, but uh, he has not <laughs> treated it as an adequate uh, addressing of his concern. There's many people who just notice that, coincidentally, the governor has drawn a map that has 20 Republican seats and eight Democratic seats. Um, that's a lot more tilted in the Republicans' favor than anything that's come out of the legislature. And there's certainly a group on the far right that you can see in the activist community that would like him to challenge the Voting Rights Act, challenge fair districts in court, and see where things can go, whether we can indeed have a map Kind of like what we saw in the pre-fair districts era. Something that's really pushing the lines on how much uh, how much you can weight the scales on behalf of the party in power. Wow. Uh, still, still a lot TBD, as they say. Jacob Ogles of Florida Politics, appreciate the update. Thanks. Thank you. It's getting to be that time of the legislative session that members who are leaving because of term limits or whatever are saying their goodbyes, like Democratic Senator Audrey Gibson from Jacksonville. Gibson began her legislative career in the House in 2002, and while known to be a fierce advocate, she's also managed to maintain friendships, even across the aisle. Republican Senator Aaron Bean recalled a time a lobbyist came to him for help on a bill that was being held up because Gibson wanted changes. I said, well, what did you, what did you say when, when she said that? The lobbyist told me uh, that under no circumstances could she kill the bill. Under no circumstances would she kill the bill. And uh, I said, you actually said that? And uh, yeah, I said that to her. She has no bit. I said, brother, you said the wrong thing. Your bill is dead. Because the last thing you do is tell her she can't do something. Guess what? Uh, the bill was dead uh, for the next three years. How about that? She had it circled. That's, uh, that's how Audrey Gibson rolls. Gibson herself says she rolls with her constituents, describing how she tells staff to treat every person contacting her office as if it was they themselves calling. No matter whether they're my constituents or constituents from around this state, they know I don't want anyone to leave the phone or the office without the information. If we couldn't do it in our office, if it was a city or county issue, they had to have the information they needed. Because generally, when people call our offices, they've called everywhere else. And we are that last frontier for them. And I appreciate my staff for answering the call because I know I'm not the easiest person to work for. But that's because I care and because I continuously want to do things for constituents in general. And my constituents in particular. And I want to say thank you to my constituents for allowing me to be their senator. It has certainly indeed been my honor. Senator Gibson, thank you for your service. 
Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Florida Senate is scheduled to hold a floor session starting at 10. The Florida House scheduled to hold a floor session at 10 this morning, too. The Senate Special Order Calendar Group will set a special order calendar, which will list bills to be heard on the Senate floor. The House Rules Committee will meet 15 minutes after today's House session ends. Also, the Revenue Estimating Conference will hold an impact conference, which involves estimating costs of legislation. The Florida Commission on Ethics will meet this morning. The Florida Housing Finance Corporation Board of Directors will meet. The Florida A&M University Board of Trustees will meet this afternoon. And tomorrow, the University of North Florida Board of Trustees is scheduled to meet in Jacksonville. And finally, technically, the Florida legislature has one job, approve a budget. Every 10 years like this year, they also have to approve district maps. But of course, they try to make new laws too, some of them heavy, think abortion bans and don't say gay, others less so, like legislating the state dessert. Those two spectrums collided as protesters against the so-called Don't Say Gay bill chanted outside the House floor just as representatives were taking up, you guessed it, dessert. Here's how it sounded. By State Affairs Committee, Representative McClure and Representative Busada Cabrera and others, CS for House Rule 567, a bill to be entitled, an act relating to designation of the state dessert. Representative McClure, you recognize to explain the bill? Excuse me, one moment. Representative McClure, you recognize for a motion? Just another day in the Florida Legislative Session 2022. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.